Right, so guys, welcome. Um, we're just waiting for everyone to filter in now. Um, so we're just watching the participants fill up. Um, hope everyone's well. Um, sun is shining today. Looking forward to a good weekend, hopefully. Um, so with no further ado, um, hello everyone. And hope you're all safe and well and following the local government guidelines at the moment. For today's episode of the Pareto Law Sales Surgery, we're going to be talking about motivation. In particular, focus and goal setting, bounce back ability and accountability. So agreeing team rules to achieve common goals. This is going to be an unbelievably interactive session. So we've got the chat function and the Q&A section there. If you want to pose a question, please just pop it in there. I'll do my best to ask it during the time which we have. My name's Jack Smith. Uh, and I'm joined by co-author of Will It Make the Boat Go Faster, three-time member of GB leadership team, three-time Olympic athlete and gold medal winner, Ben Hunt-Davis. How are you, Ben? Uh, yeah, very good. Thanks uh, for inviting me along, Jack. Absolute pleasure. Um, so, as I said, um, it's going to be really interactive, guys. Please ask questions. Firstly, we're going to be discussing focus and goal setting. Ben, why do you think it's so important? So um, I think kind of the start point of most kind of sorting out most issues or challenges is knowing what direction you're heading in. So um, from a business perspective, um, I think quite often people in businesses are, haven't got great clarity about what they're trying to do. And if you haven't got great clarity, presumably it means you do what you've done before, what's in front of you, rather than doing the stuff that'll really make a difference. And, and while I was in the rowing team, to give you some background, my and rowing team, the first seven years I was in it, we did consistently badly, losing everything we did. And then two years before the Sydney Olympics, we uh, went through a kind of huge amount of change. And we um, started the change by going, right, what are, we, what are we in this for? What are we really trying to do here? Um, and, you know, are we trying to qualify for the Olympics? Do we just want to, you know, get the T-shirt and go, you know, we compete at the Olympics? Or do we want to be yeah. finalists? Or do we want to be Olympic champions? Uh, and for us, it was kind of pretty clear and simple. What we really wanted was, was to be Olympic champions. Uh, and that was the goal. And then what we had to do is make sure that everything we did, every conversation, every discussion, every decision, every action was going to take us in the direction we had agreed was most important. And without a clear goal, any training is good. Any conversation is fine. Any behaviors are all right. But as soon as you put a goal in place, you go, well, actually, this conversation we're having, this thing we're doing, is it, is it actually going to make the boat go faster? Is it going to take us in the direction we want to go? So I think with whatever we're doing, ideally, it should be aligned to what we're trying to achieve. You know, you've got people... You know, from a very basic level, people go, oh, you know, I want to have a nice family life. And then they get home and kind of kick the cat and scream at their kids. And you go, so is that behavior aligned to what you want? And if you don't know what you want, then you can do anything. So, so how far should we be setting these goals in advance, um, do you think? We talk about kind of short-term, long-term goals, mid-term goals. That's all thrown about there. But what, in your view, is the best way to do it? So... Um, uh, under normal circumstances, uh, you know, for businesses, planning kind of two, three, five years in advance is great. For us as individuals, you know, a year, two years, three years maybe is, is great. Um, 
at the moment, you know, frankly, for most of us as individuals or organizations, what things are going to be like in three months time, you know, who knows? So I'd say yeah. at moments, I don't think even Boris knows massive change, having kind of more short term goals is probably pretty important. Um, but but I think there are a few bits to goal setting. I think there's, you know, what, what do you want to achieve? What's kind of the end point? And whether that be a long term time away or much closer. And then it's kind of breaking it down so you can understand what you need to do today in order to help you achieve it. And whether that's a five year plan, again, what are the actions and behaviors I need to do today or this week? Or whether it be in order to get me through this three months. And, you know, with sales, so often it's a, if it's not a weekly, a monthly, it's a quarterly cycle going, you know, so in order to hit the week target, the month target, the quarter cycle, the, the quarter target, what do I need to do today? So I think with goals, it's really important to have different layers of goals. So I know what I need to do on a daily, weekly basis to achieve the goal, whether it be longer or further, further away. So it's that, it's that element, isn't it, of input versus outcome when you're setting goals. So it's knowing what you need to do in order to do that. And how yeah. would you best, like you said, you're structuring that. Would you look at, I don't know, if, if you're in sales at the moment, do you look at conversations had? Do you look at reaching that daily target of what you want to achieve? How, how would you break it down in activities? So, um, so again, with rowing, our goal was to win. Yeah. But we couldn't control whether we won or not because we had no control over how fast the Germans, the Dutch, the Romanians, or, or anyone else was going to go. All we could do was control the input, as you said. You know, actually, what are we doing? So we had all sorts of measures we wanted to do, you know, targets we wanted to hit. And then we broke it down into what we call the control layer, which are what are the different areas that we can actually control? I, I can't control what the buyer is going to do. I can't control what the other country is going to do. But what I can do is I can control the quality of my conversation. I can control, you know, my product knowledge. I can control my rowing technical ability, my fitness. And then within those, we had, you know, we had targets for what we want to achieve and the activity needed to do it. So we kind of looked at the, you know, if we did all the daily activities right, then presumably within each of the control areas, we would be hitting those targets. And then presumably that would enable us to hit the concrete goals, which are the kind of clear measures, and then the crazy goal of winning. So I think if you're just looking at, um, you know, the sales number or the race result, frankly, we can't control it. So yeah, we've got to also be looking at what are the things that actually I can control that I can do differently in order to make sure I can achieve the end goal that I want. Fantastic. And looking at, um, so we're talking about doing what we can control, but sometimes there's a lot of noise around us that can enable us to lose focus how do you cut out that noise to then focus on your input to be able to continue towards that goal so um and we, noise can be different for different people and a number of different things i know it's a broad question no so, so so we had a a tool an idea that we spoke about called bullshit filters um because yeah, yeah. there was there were around us there were loads of people telling us what we couldn't do what we could do you know we weren't capable of that we couldn't do this we weren't very good at this and all sorts of different stuff going on and we talked about having these imaginary ear defenders you could put on and you can whack them up to maximum deflection so the bullshit wouldn't get in yeah, because nice. the more we were listening to other people's bullshit the less we were going to be able to focus on the stuff that we could control and we could do 
So we actually were pretty thorough about, we came up with all sorts of lists about who should we, who we should be listening to, what stuff we should be reading, what stuff we should be watching on TV, what stuff we should be interacting with and working out what was useful and what was bullshit. Uh, and if a coach or if somebody, anyone came and said, you know, what you did there was crap, but you know, if you try this, this and this, then, then that's useful. But if you've yeah, just got yeah. a naked head, who's just going, oh, this won't work, that won't work, oh, look, doom and gloom, it's all, you know, it's all, you know, going to pop, just not helpful. I mean, I, I don't know how many people listen to, you know, listening to Radio 4, today's programme to start the day. I mean, you know, by the time that's finished, you're ready to give up and just go back to bed. I mean, you know, there are certain yeah. things that I have I've cut out the news now, I think, as well. I just think it's not as, it's not useful. You know, on the BBC News app I've got on my phone, if there are 17 stories, this morning I think 15 of them are corona-related. And I go, well, if I read the first two stories, what else do I need to know, yeah. really? Uh, how is it going to help me? You know, if I'm in medical sales, then maybe there's a whole load of stuff that's useful in that. But if I'm in all sorts of other stuff, how is that going to help me do my job, live a happy life? If it's not going to help me, why engage with it? It's just bullshit. So, so, so we, we, we literally came up with lists of different people, media outlets, and, and information that was useful and wasn't useful. And we chose pretty specifically what we tuned into and what we tuned out of. And there might have been people who were, who were close to us who just, I mean, I had a relation who was, you know, I got a very good relationship with, yeah. But they, you know, I got on with them very well, but they didn't want me to believe that I could win because they'd seen me heartbroken at two previous Olympics and they thought if I didn't care, it would be all right when I lost again. So right. purely out of looking after me, they didn't want me to believe. So that was just, put, so, so I would talk to them about all sorts of stuff. And when it came onto my rowing, I'd put on my imaginary ear defenders and be going in my head, la, 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 I'm not listening to you. It's not helping me. Is that the, because um, one of my colleagues was mentioning this morning in your book, don't talk bollocks to, Bra to Basil. It's that element of saying <laughs> yeah. if they're yeah. not going to be able to help you in your goal and achieve what you need to do, then just don't speak to them about it. Why engage? Yeah. It, it's so easy to get distracted. And at the moment, I, I think there's a lot that can distract us. You know, with, that, that there's, there's just so much uncertainty that can just distract us. So, you know, what we listen to, who we engage with, how we spend the, t you know, the kind of past the day. If we've got a clear goal and we know what we're trying to do, then can we choose not to interact with certain things, certain people that are just going to distract our focus and take us in the wrong direction? I mean, it's, it's pointless. What about if the person that's not, um, I guess, that's, that's negative, that we're getting this information from is our manager? or is, a, is in our team. So we've got someone on our team that's maybe rowing in a different direction. So Alistair, you've asked a good question there. What, what can we do where we have to still engage with this person, but to not let it in? So, so I think there are a few different things. So, um, so, 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 so one of the things is, um, many people might've heard about um, control the controllables. It's a classic yeah. sports psychology saying, I think Stephen Covey first came up in the I don't know, 80s or whatever, wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly 
uh, affected people. And he talks about, uh, you've got a kind of circle of concern. What's the stuff you're concerned about? What's the start? The circle of influence is smaller and inside that. Who are the people you can influence or the things you can influence? And then you've got in the middle, your circle of control. And a lot of us spend a lot of time wor worrying about stuff that we can't influence or we can't control. Um, and frankly, there's not very much that we can control. What our team members, what our boss, what various different people think and say we can't control, but we can influence. So if there are people who are potentially um, kind of knocking us off course, putting us off with what they're saying and doing, and um, you know, how do we influence them? We can't control, but how do we influence what they're saying? If we communicate differently, might they communicate differently? If we say different things, if we point them in different directions, might they think differently? We, we, we can't control it, but we can just have a go at influencing stuff. Um, are there you know, other people we can spend more time with? If there are team members who we have to interact with, can we control the inter how can we control the interaction to make sure that it's more on our terms so we can get what we need out of it rather than having a longer conversation with them going off on something that's totally useless um, if we have a boss who is really negative about stuff again how do we how can we which bits of that relationship can we control or influence in order to make sure that we can be as good as we're trying to be. So there's, you know, we can't control what other people are doing. We can only influence it, but we can, there's a certain, that, that, I, I think very often we think, oh, well, I can't do anything about that. And my question is always, well, what can we do? What are the bits that we can control? What are the bits we can influence rather than worrying? There's loads of other stuff we can't influence. So let's not worry about that, but let's, keep a list going of what is in our control and influence and are we actually spending our time focused on that rather than the other stuff yeah absolutely it's breaking it down isn't it and working out what parts of it you can can be changed by your behavior and how you can do that to engage with them and yeah. to, to create a positive out of it yeah um, yeah and that's got to be the positive out of it has got to be based on your start point of the question about you know why the goal because what you want to get out of it is based on what you're trying to achieve so then and if you're really clear on what you're trying to do in the next year or whatever it is in the next month or whatever then you can better make decisions about what's bullshit what's not what you can control what you can influence what you can't so it's got to start with the goal and then you can kind of be detailed and keep going well in order to get me there what are the things i can control absolutely looking at a question um from someone who's anonymous actually um but working persistently to achieve a goal is really admirable um, but everyone not everyone could be olympic gold medal winners um or can succeed that they want to do so for example when i was seven years old i wanted to be a professional footballer clearly i'm not there now so i needed to change my goals um at some point along the line at what point do you think it's acceptable to accept that it's not achievable and, and how do we revisit goals? So I think the goals have, um, I and you can be offensive about me playing football. Don't worry. I won't take it personally. <laughs> I think, you know, goals, goals, uh, um, goals change as we go along. You know, there are some things where we go, actually, I can't do that. And there are some things where we go, actually, I don't want to do that anymore. 
Um, or actually the environment has changed to such a degree that, well, either it's impossible, it's irrelevant, or it's... So I think continuing to come back and go, is that still important? Which is why um, you asked about kind of short-term, long-term goals. And I said, yeah. I think at the moment in times of massive change, it's really important to revisit goals pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, things will change. As the environment changes, you know, a sales number, certainly within my business, our sales numbers in the last three months have changed massively, absolutely massively. We, in January, we launched a three-year plan and we had, we had a pretty good plan. Uh, and 75% uh, of it was based on face-to-face -face conferences, workshops. And you now go, well, if zero of those are happening, then we've got to make a different plan. Yeah. So I think reviewing the environment and going, is the plan right, is important. And then the other bit of it is, is which is kind of hard, is working out what's realistic and what's not. Uh, and if you had have asked other people whether our, us winning was realistic, uh, the vast majority of people in the British rowing team would have said, it's totally unrealistic, I'm doing that. But we were thinking, it's totally realistic. We can see a path so we can get there. So what is realistic and what isn't, is pretty subjective and it depends what you're looking at so that, that that's kind of a separate part of it but certainly revisiting goals as environment situations as we change i think goals have got to be redressed and some might stay with us for, for ages and some you might go not sure i want to do that anymore yeah i'm going to come on to the question about focus after but i just want to look at you actually winning the gold medal because it's something that i'm fascinated by and it's our first question on the board what did it actually feel like to know that you'd you'd worked so hard for something you'd won that gold medal to stand on the podium like talk us through your emotions and your feelings during that um this is something i kind of find quite hard to do actually um was it relief was it elation so i think the first thing i remember crossing the finish line so so firstly when you're racing um as you go through the race, more and more oxygen is going to your muscles, so less and less is going to your head. Right. So you start to think less and less clearly. And I think you know we all know that if we're tired, for whatever reason, our thinking is less clear. So as, we, as you go through a race, the chief coach had this saying, when all is black, one more, which basically means when you're knackered and everything starts to go gray and cloudy, you take another stroke, yeah. and then you take another one. And when everything goes totally black, you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and so... <laughs> As you get closer to the line, you become less and less aware and you think less and less clearly. I remember crossing the line and having the sense of relief of going, my God, we've done it. And then as you get a bit more oxygen back and whether this was how many seconds, I've got no idea, you go, we've done it, we've, we've done the Olympics. Yeah, and then yeah. you go, we've done the Olympics. Yeah, and, yeah. And it takes time, certainly took time for me to kind of work out what had happened um but the standing on the podium i dreamt about it i mean in 10 years there were probably 50 nights where i didn't dream about it. i was totally obsessed Maybe. i was totally obsessed and to for it to work out was just was just a total dream come true and um um you know standing on the podium i got i got the um got in a sock here uh, yeah why have you got in a sock yeah um you know, for it to wow. Um, you know, for that it to work awesome. was just. You know, it was the most. Um, 
incredible feeling. It was. That is amazing. Uh, and you know, it was better than I thought and hoped it was going to be. But it was literally a a dream come true. And and I had so I was in the national team, the senior national team for nine years. Before that, I was under under twenty threes for a year. Before that, I did under eighteens for a year. So in those uh, nine, ten. 11 years i won three proper international races and they were the last three i did 15 weeks before 12 weeks before and the olympics those were the three races i won in 11 years so uh, and the last two years you know the improvement curve went went up pretty steeply so you know i've been through some tough times so to get it to be able to change in the last two years and to be able to get it right was it was fun. It was good. Amazing. I've just realised as well, because we're going to be um, putting this on Spotify afterwards, is that for that time when um, Ben was getting the thing out of his sock, it was the Olympic medal from Sydney that he won. Yeah. Um, um, so amazing. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. That's, that's truly, truly inspiring. Um, so Sasha's asked a really good question. So um, when leading up to the Olympics, there must have been some tough mornings, some tough training sessions, some times where things got really hard um, and it was really repetitive and you felt maybe your motivation dropping. Um, how, what would you do to recommend to kind of maintain that drive and determination? So, um, can you hear my wife shouting in the background or not? That was the I first time I could hear it. So <laughs> don't worry, you're fine. Um, she also does, doesn't know how to talk quietly on the phone. I apologize for that. I'm the same, um, don't worry. My girlfriend's thinking the same thing in the other room. Um, so there, there were clearly some tough times. So rowing is a, so, 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 so the the season lasts, normally lasts 49 weeks. So we get three weeks off each year. In fact, the Olympic season, the last year was actually a 14 month season. Uh, in those 14 months, we got, I think we got seven days off, um, and we raced five times. So the bulk of the time is either at the training center in the UK or at some other training center somewhere else. You're training two, three, four, possibly five times a day, seven days a week. And there's not very much that's glamorous about it. Wow. It is, it's just, it's kind of pretty brutal. Um, and you're on your knees the whole time because if you're not knackered, then you're not training hard enough. So were there times where we were, where I was thinking, what the hell am I doing this for? Yeah, absolutely. When either you're just totally exhausted, the weather's horrible, or you're just struggling with results. I mean, there were all sorts of times where I was really, you know, struggling with injury or struggling with results, where you're trying to make a change and trying to make an improvement in something, and it's just, it's just not coming. Or when you've kind of fallen out with somebody in your team and you, I mean, there were, there were countless horrible days and weeks but but i had a very very clear picture of what i wanted to to achieve which was really important to me and i knew that if i chose not to turn up to training for that day there would be a whole lot of other people left on the bank and they wouldn't be able to go on the eight because i couldn't be asked to turn up and not only my olympic dream was going down the swanee but theirs was as well i also had you know with with everybody else if i came down feeling like a 
kind of two out of 10, feeling flat, exhausted, pissed off, there would be a whole lot of other people who would try to kind of lift my mood a bit, who would try and support me and get me, you know, try, you know, they would take the piss, they would do whatever and try and make me feel a bit better about what I was doing. The times where, so after every single session, we reviewed our performance, whether that was sat around a meeting table, in a boat, in the weight training room, or on a rowing machine. After every session, we'd review and go, right, what worked, what didn't, you know, how do we make it better next time? And the number of sessions I couldn't be asked to do that, it was a total pain in the ass. But there was always somebody there saying, no. So as I went to walk away, because I didn't want to do it, there'd always be someone saying, no, no, Ben, you agreed we'd do this. Therefore, you'll come back and we'll do it. We absolutely held each other accountable for doing what we said we were going to do. It was our responsibility to help everybody train because we all knew we were going to have bad days and bad weeks. And we had a, an environment where we needed each other. We needed each other to be good. And if, I mean, John, one of the boatmen who was a volunteer, he gave up time out of his work to come and help us. And he had a duty not only to look after the kit, but also if he saw somebody and they weren't doing something as well as he thought they could do it, he had a duty to come across and say something. Because if he chose to say nothing, he was helping us lose. Right, part of the problem. So we all, this was a shared thing. And we had a team of 60 people. And it wasn't six of us who just worked together. It was 60 of us who cared about the goal. And therefore, we were willing to push, encourage, support, cajole, help each other do what we had to do every day. And we had, and without that support, there's no way I could have done it. There's no way. I haven't, I haven't got the discipline. I, I, I'm pretty good at setting my alarm in the morning, thinking I'll go for a run and then turn it off because I go, mm, I'm not sure I can be asked this morning. <laughs> yeah, looks cold outside. Yeah, but, yeah. but I know if there's someone waiting for me, then I get out of bed every time. So we used each other to help yeah. get through the, the tough times. And we, you know, try, we try to make it fun. We try to, we set all sorts of milestones. We kind of, there was reward and recognition along the way. We, we talked about flicking the switch. So when you, um, you know, when we got together as a group to discuss and plan the session, the piss take stopped, everything else stopped, and you just did it. And, and, and is, you know, we're very good at using that, kind of strategy at all sorts of times most of us just get out of bed and we just brush our teeth we don't go do i want to today do i not we just do it most of us get out of bed and we don't ask you know it's different now but you know we don't ask shall i go to work today well I mean, even now we don't ask shall we work we just get up we just kind of flick the switch we may not we be firing on all cylinders but we just do it and, and, and sometimes you know asking whether you want to do it is a really bad idea because you'll just get the wrong answer so in those times, you force yourself not to ask the question and you just, you just do it. Because I know I don't want to do it today, but actually, you know, if I think a week out, a year out, Olympics out, then clearly I do want to do this. It's just today I don't want to do. So let's just do it anyway. So there are all sorts of different techniques we used to make it easier to do the, to do the work. And, and you talked about it there in terms of accountability and and goal setting and that's kind of one of the topics that we're going to talk about today um so it'd be great to go through how we do that as a team how, how did you get in a position did you have a meeting with everyone where you said right let's set rules within our team that we want to achieve and make sure we stick to it what, what's what can we do as salespeople or anyone who's listening right now within our team to 
to create a similar, um, I guess, common team goal? Um, so we absolutely sat down and we had sessions where we set team rules. You know, how do we want to work? How do we want to support each other? And, um, and I think within organizations, getting, normally we're part of a few different teams. We might be part of a leadership team and a sales team or a product team and a sales team or, uh, and just working out, you know, who are the people we're working with and how do we want to operate in order to be really, really successful? And, you know, there's the classic thing, you know, people go, oh, let's be honest and let's be open. But actually, what does that really mean? And does that mean that I actually have permission to say, Jack, when you kind of overheard or kind of that email you sent, I thought was actually just a bit shoddy. You know, it wasn't as sharp as I've seen you do in the past. So does the team rule actually allow me to pick you up on that? Or do we just write some stuff that we should be open and honest with each other and then ignore it? Or so, so, so working out in order for us to win as a team and as individuals, you know, hit targets, whatever winning looks like, then how do we actually need to help and support each other to do it? And what are the rules we need to put in place? And are they all, when you're looking at them, are they, are they mainly mindset focused? Is it behavioral? Is it processes? What, what are, the, are there rules in terms of the rules we can put in place? Um, no, not really. Stuff that's going to be useful. So, so, so within my business at the moment, we have um, various different rules that range from, so in discussions, just saying, I agree, rather than spending five minutes agreeing and just basically saying the same thing as other people. So it's a really simple behavioral things, which, and, and just saying in a group conversation, just saying, Jack, I agree, is a, we find really useful for moving things on pretty quickly rather than just right. dragging. So some really simple things like that through to, um, if you ask me a question, I have to respond to you within 24 hours. If you ask for a bit of work, a proposal, it, it, even if it's just to say, Jack, I, I've, I, I'll, I'll, I can do it by next Thursday, but I, I, I've got to give you a response within 24 hours because it's just leaving okay. you hanging. Yeah. Um, we're quite up on, um, there's a kind of process called RC, which is, um, uh, some people might, might have heard of RACI, responsible, accountable, who needs to be consulted and uh, informed. And we quite like that, actually. In fact, we like it a lot. So knowing we kind of changed around because RC should only have one person who's actually accountable to getting something done. Yeah. So who is that? Where does the buck really stop? The responsible people are people who will be involved in making it happen. Who do you need to consult around the decisions? And who just do you need to tell? Uh, and, and I think that that is... If you're clear on that, it avoids so many other difficult conversations where you know, if I know, Jack, that you're actually accountable for making a decision and you know that you've got to consult with me, I've got an input and then it's down to you rather than us both milling about and trying to work out exactly who does make the decision and me being pissed off because like, you made it and not me. So actually the processes of how decisions are made, I think personally in, in my business, we find that really, really useful. In, our t in the rowing team, we had things like rules about bullshit filters. We had rules about punctuality. We had, uh, and actually in different environments, we had different rules. So at our training center in Hammersmith, we had one set of rules. When we went to the Olympic Village, 
it was a different high pressure situation. We came up with a different set of rules that we thought would be useful in that situation. Within businesses now, if people are used to working together and now we're all working from home, it's a different environment. Having a different set of rules is probably, is probably useful. Um, so I think there's no golden rule about what should go in, but it's gotta be stuff that's actually useful that will help you achieve what you want to achieve. Fantastic. Okay. And um, I was just thinking as well, can they be personal? As in, if you've got somebody in your team who maybe has a bad habit, okay, that really annoys you, uh, when you're setting common, like when you're setting team rules towards common goals, can you say, okay, one of my rules is that, Ben, um, you need to stop asking me stupid questions all the time because actually it's not helping me out at all. So uh, again, next week, I think on Tuesday, I've got a session with my team um, and we're going to go through preferences about what we want and like and don't want and like. Um, so we've got some of the team who are uh, really keen on Slack okay. and other people. And basically something arose where somebody had asked one of the people, somebody for, for something six times and this guy's going, but I just... I don't look at Slack. I don't, I kind of see Slack and if I can't do it instantly, I forget all about it. So don't, you know, that's just not my preference. I don't, I don't like that. So as part of the rules of how we work, we need to understand each other better. And, uh, and in the rowing team, we did exactly that. We sat down and went, actually, what I need from you, Jack, is I need this from you. And actually what I would really rather not have from you is, is this. So, Coming up with a set of rules that are in a kind of corporate and fit every team is pretty pointless because then it'll be exactly the same stuff. It'll be open, transparent. You know, yeah. what does that mean? What does that mean to anyone, really? Yeah. It, it's got to be how are you and I and the other people in our team going to get the best out of each other so we can hit our numbers, we can achieve the goal. And if there's stuff that you're doing that gets in the way, then if we both care about the goal, you know, trying to have an ego-free conversation where I can give you some feedback and say, Jack, when you do this, it, I kind of struggle with it. And you to be able to go, huh, okay, how do I change my behavior without me getting too pissed off and offended? It, to do it really well requires some honest conversations yeah. that can be difficult. But if the goal is important, then it's worth having those conversations. I mean, I, the, the kind of whole feedback bit, I think if I'm doing something that isn't helping my team achieve the goal, then actually I really want to know. And uh, the other week I got some feedback that I was kind of a bit pissed off and hurt about. I thought I tried really hard to do something and the feedback was that I hadn't done it very well. It hurt, but, but, but the fact is next time I've got a chance of doing it better. If people hadn't told me I hadn't done it well, then I would do it exactly the same way next time, thinking it was good and just do an equally bad job. Whereas actually I now have some information that I can do something with. And, and some, some of the comments I got, I thought, well, I, I just don't, I don't agree with that. 
And other bits I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that's fair. So I've now got a chance of being better next time. So if I'm doing something that really pisses you off, Jack, frankly, I want to know. Because if I continue to piss you off, neither of us are going to do as well as we want to do. And, and for those listening, maybe that are, are new into a team or not seen you within a team and they want to, to create a kind of a, that team rules and ethics, but they're worried about how to, how to do it and not to offend people and, and want to be in that situation. How, what's your advice to, for them to influence that and to be able to, to start that maybe from not a position of seniority, but from a position of, I guess, of, of want and desire to be successful? So, um, I think starting with a goal, having conversations about the goal is a pretty good place to start. Of saying to somebody more senior in the team, going, you know, this is, if this is what we're trying to achieve, and this is, you know, I really want to do it because of this, and you know, I, I know it's all important to us. At the moment, you know, maybe I'm a bit unsure about how different people are trying to do things, and I'm trying to fit in with the team. You know, what's the best way of doing it? Do you think it's worth setting up a conversation so we can clarify how we can best achieve it? I mean, I you know, quite like making suggestions about, you know, could we, could we try doing this or could we try doing that? And, and then, or, you know, how do you think we should do it best? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think coming and saying, this is what we need to do. You've got to get someone on board first, haven't you, I think. It, it, it's, and, and if the goal is important to people, then it's going in you know, if we're all trying to jack if you know you're if you're trying to you know i know that you're really kind of interested in achieving this goal and i i i just want to understand a better way of fitting in with you to do it is it worth us sitting down so we can both know how to do this so rather than it being about me it's about the thing that we've got in common which is the goal yeah that so i think having that as a start point um and we within the rowing team we were we learned to be very very straight and honest with each other and it took time and we had arguments about it we had a couple of fights when we got it wrong which wasn't great yeah. <laughs> um we and within my business now we're pretty good at being honest but sometimes it's hard sometimes it's really hard and expecting to be able to say to somebody who's maybe senior in your team, when you do this, it really pisses me off. That, that, that's kind of probably quite a big jump. And I'd be going, what are the first small steps? How can you get people on board? And how can you start with the easier things? Yeah. Because it takes time to be able to be really open and us. Because there's, there's got to be trust there. There's got to be trust. Just thinking about it as well, could you also, if you're within a team you could set team rules within one individual to start with and just say, look, if you see me doing this, I want you to pick me up on it and same here. And then as you get the trust, you can then grow it throughout other people within the team. And if they share a common goal, then you can grow those rules outwards. It doesn't have to be the whole team to start with. You can just choose your mini team within that to then grow it. Definitely. Definitely. There's a, a board that I sit on outside my business where there's one other guy I've said to, and we have kind of regular conversations, um, and I want to get feedback from him about how I do in the meetings. I'm kind of a junior person in there. 
Okay. And I want to, I can't influence, there's a lot of stuff I can't change. And if I want to influence stuff, I want to be doing it in a right way. So I've got one person in particular who um, I keep getting feedback from. And I kind of asked him very specifically for various different bits of feedback to try and extend my influence within there. And we, we, we kind of got, so at the moment it's kind of me and him and we're kind of bringing somebody else in at the moment to our little thing of going, how do we improve what we're doing yep. from a kind of junior base? Um, so if you can't get everybody on board, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think the more yeah. people you can get on board, the, the better. And if it's not everybody, yeah, of course we don't live in a perfect world. Absolutely. Have you thought about wearing your gold medal when you go to the meeting? That might help with the influence slightly. Yeah, I'm not sure that would help so much, really. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so I've got a question here from, from Andrew. Um, so once, let's go back to kind of goal setting. Okay. So once we've achieved a goal, um, how do we then revisit or what's the process of revisiting and being able to go again? So let's say you're in sales and you've hit your annual target. Um, you're, but your sales manager then comes to you and said, right, I want you to achieve this, but you're feeling elated because you've hit your target, but then you've got another goal to, to achieve. How do you reset and go again? So, I mean, I think being in sales, you know, we all know that's, that's the way it works. You hit a target and they go, great, we'll give you an extra X percent. Um, yeah. I think what businesses don't a lot of businesses don't do so well as actually give people a chance to uh, kind of reflect and reset. I think that, I think recognizing success along the way is really important. Um, and whether, if the, whether the business recognize your success or not, I think, you know, with as individuals, we've got to be happy about all sorts of different bits we achieve along the way, whether it be a month, a quarter or a year, um and you know we're on a you know for us we had a world championships each year and then it was a reset for the next olympics we had i did two olympics reset for the third one at the end of the third one i didn't want to do a reset and and go again um but for you know most of us have if you're in sales you have you have a new target every year and that's kind of part of the game but having a bit of a mental pause and reflection at the end of going and how well did I do? You know, what can I celebrate? What are the bits that, what are the bits that I did really well on and what can I use to help me uh, uh, go forward for the next year? I think is, I think is important. And so whether if other people aren't recognizing it, find a way of, you know, who can you celebrate with? Who can you reflect with? Um, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, going for the next one is, is part of the game or we choose to do something different absolutely and i guess that's where it's important that you're, you're sharing um sharing goals with people as well um so that they um, have a similar goal to you so that you can celebrate with them or if it's family and and loved ones that are that aren't your basils um and they're giving you positive to then be able to celebrate with them once you've done it having the right support team around us who can help us in various different ways you might want the unconditional supporter who will think you're great no matter what you do, who, and sometimes they're re a really good person to have on board. You might also want the kind of critical supporter who's going, oh, well, Jack, when you did that, that was kind 
sucked. You know, they, you know they're supporting you, but they'll kind of give you a hard time about stuff. You might want the supporter at times who just gives you a kick up the arse. Sometimes you just need the, say, the unconditional. Yeah. And, and when it's creating different successes, who are the people to celebrate with? And sometimes, you know, it's not a time to go to the person who's going to ask you to do more because actually you just want to bask in the enjoyment in the glory of hitting one target before you go, okay, how do I do it better next time? I just want to enjoy it for the time being and then I can move on to the next bit. So, 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 so pick your team. Yeah. Pick, pick who's supporting you. And don't worry, Pareto, I won't call out who's who um, among my management team on this call. Um, <laughs> so, so, so Alice asked a question around um, once we, as we're closing in on that goal, um, and we, we think we're going to hit it. We know we're going to hit it. Um, what would you suggest to be able to kind of to get us over the line? Because sometimes that last, I don't know, 10 metres, that last, that last sale is the hardest to do. Um, what's, your, what's your advice in terms of motivating us to get us over that line? So, um, I think... Whether the, hard, the last one's a hard one to do or the first one, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of not sure. I think that um, using um, something like a kind of a concept that I like to think about is momentum. You know, building momentum with what you're doing. We spoke about it a lot in the crew. You know, if you've got, you know, movement is just something simple that can be stopped, whereas momentum implies a kind of weight behind it. And if you're coming towards the end of the year, you should have a fair bit of momentum behind you to keep you going over the bumps and the hard times. And so I think there are all sorts of things. I think recognizing success and progress as you go along is really important. Um, while rowing, we had a wall in the gym that we call the evidence wall and it was plastered with bits of paper um, from you know, photos, quotes, um, forced time curves, all sorts of stuff to show that we were changing to recognize the kind of successes and the milestones. And we could just kind of kept updating it. So when we were feeling down, we could look at this wall and go, oh my God, look at all this stuff we've done. Look at what we're capable of um, to help maintain the momentum. Um, I think also, um, you know, keep coming back to the goal. Again, you know, what's what's the big picture? What am I trying to do, and why why is it important to me? What what does it mean to me? Um, you know, if it's kind of as you're coming towards the end, and the last steps are kind of tricky, then you know, what's the reward and recognition that's waiting for you just just the other side of this last sales or two? Um, I mean, I think in in my book actually we talk about ten different kind of motivation tools. None of them are right for everybody all of the time. It's kind of a, question of kind of picking and choosing uh which tool is right for you at the right time and place um and so yeah i i, I mean i think depending on the time of the the sales cycle and what else is going on it's a question of choosing what's going to work most effectively absolutely i don't know if some of the questions um appreciate all your answers this has been fantastic we've got about 15 minutes left um, on the time guys. So any questions now's the time to put it in there. Um, we've got a question from Natasha that I really want to ask actually, um, cause it's really relevant for the time that we're in at the moment. So, um, what strategies have you got to keep a sales team motivated that are working extremely hard, but maybe have missed a monthly goal. So at the moment, um, majority of businesses, it's, it's unbelievably tough out there. No one's buying. Um, I mean, even myself, I'm, I'm shutting down shop. I've canceled 
gym memberships, the Sky TV, um, subscriptions. So, so what's, how can we keep a team motivated that are trying really hard, but maybe not achieving? So I think, um, so for my sales team, we've kind of, we started by looking at goals. What goals were realistic in January and February, not realistic now. So actually having goals that are unrealistic makes motivation quite hard because we all want to do something that we think we can achieve. So I think one step would be actually looking at, at the goals. I think uh, what I mentioned earlier about the kind of evidence wall, but of looking for the evidence, what, what, what are the kind of glimmers of hope? What are the small things that are happening well? Um, for, it, for me, it's kind of seems as though phase one of lockdown was everyone going, oh my God, what the hell's happening? And kind of nothing, nothing really happened. And then at the moment, we seem to be kind of in a bit of a phase two where business is going, huh, okay, right. So this is, this is what's happening. Let's start to kind of plan again. And in the last few weeks for us, two, two and a half or three weeks, I'm not sure, there seem to be more businesses who are looking to, we just seem to be having far more conversations than we were two yeah. weeks before. And so we're kind of keeping, we've got a digital evidence wall now. Uh, that we use on Slack, where we kind of keep sticking stuff going, had a really good conversation, got a response to this, got this. These people seem to be interested. And um, I think, and tracking behaviours now rather than outcomes, I think yeah. is probably really, really important because the outcomes are sales, which you can't guarantee. But if we are doing the right things, if we're speaking to enough people in the right ways, then presumably if we do the right stuff then the right stuff should happen so i think that you know at the moment say you know for i was going to say for business this is a tough environment so i actually had a phone call with a, an organization yesterday who um they were looking to grow this year and um in the last two months their business has, has absolutely taken off and they're going to do about 25% more than they planned for the year. Um, we've been talking to another company where uh, normally they have a spike in business around Christmas in the kind of three weeks leading up to Christmas. Since lockdown, every week has been equivalent to a Christmas week. Wow. Um, I think there are sectors that are tanking. Yeah. You know, that, where nothing's happening. And there are sectors and there are companies who are having a phenomenal time and it's it's a tough environment out there but there are definitely winners out there there are businesses that are doing really really well so you know whatever your sector is you know, i don't know but there are there are sectors that are doing well there are people that are doing well um so i think looking for the evidence it's very easy just to look and listen for all the crap that's happening all the negativity, all the reasons why things won't work, why we can't do this, why we can't do that. And coming back to going, what are the things we can control? What are the things we can do? And filtering out the use, useless stuff and filtering in the stuff that's more useful. You know, there, there are, if there's a glimmer of hope, do we just go, oh, too small to be worthwhile? Or do we go, look, there's a glimmer over there there's something that, that could be good. Let's focus on that rather than focusing on the pile of rubbish that's over here. So it's, it's looking at the inputs, revisiting the goals, and like I said, recording the wins and successes so you can look back. 
and see what we are doing well and celebrate those. Yeah, and not even necessarily the wins. It's the successes in, well, that was a really good conversation. You know, they seemed interested in that. If the wins aren't coming at the moment, but, but what are the bits of process? What are the things that you're doing really well? Because if you, if you do enough of them, presumably at some point, people will be ready to buy again. So don't just judge yourself on results because we can't guarantee results. We can't control results. You know, we should be judging ourselves on how well, what kind of job we're doing. Because that, that is effectively, all I can do is I can control how many emails I send, how many people I call, how many people I WhatsApp, how many people I link in with, and am I doing a good job at that? And if I'm looking to link in with 20 people a day, or I don't know, whatever it is, are the requests I'm saying sending kind of bland and boring, or will they stand out? That, that, that's the stuff that we can control. When I send an email to somebody, are they going to read the first line and think, I haven't got time for this? Or are they going to read the first line and go, oh, that's interesting. We can't control whether they have budget or not, but we can, we, sh we can have our, our control over what we type into the keyboard is total. And how many times we do it and if we get to the end of the day going, well, actually, I contacted X number of people, which is what I plan to do. And I think actually the quality of what I wrote was really good. Then presumably we should be able to close our laptop down and go, that was a pretty good day. Brilliant. You know, for, for, for us, we, we, we got measured on the Olympics every four years. If we were just waiting to get a result to determine whether we were any good or not, and that kind of doesn't work. Or all we could, what we could do is we could get to the end of each training session and go, right, so we were aiming to do this. How do we do? And we were aiming to increase the speed at which we moved our hands. Did we do that? Great. Uh, and, and if we think that's, that's the right thing to be focused on, if we think how we, the quality of challenge and conversation and openness is important to make the boat go faster, then that's the bit we can control. And then we'll turn up to the Olympic final and find out whether it all worked or not. But we can't control whether we win or not. We could just control how good we are each day. And as salespeople, the bits that you know we can all, you know, I'm selling as well, the bits we can all control is the quality of the interactions we have and how many interactions we have. You were talking about every training session you, you looked at, kind of you fed back. Would you every day as a salesperson look back over your day and and kind of look at your, your top, I guess, successes and the processes that you've got in place and what you would change? Or would you look weekly or? So at the end of every single phone call I have, whether it be with one person or it's a Zoom meeting or whatever, I will spend two, three, four minutes just going, how well did I do? What were the bits that I did really well? Um, how good was I at explaining our products and services? Just because I've done it, hundreds of times before doesn't mean I can't do it better. You know, am I doing it kind of an average level or do I, can I come off a call and go, I think I was totally world-class on that call. And if I wasn't totally world-class, how do I do it better? Did I get the person on the other end going, oh, that's a really good question. I'll have to think about that. For, for me, that's something that I want to hear when people go, huh, and I've really made them think about, think differently. For me, that's kind of a measure 
for me. And if, if somebody in a number in a conversation says a few times, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. And then I go, oh, that's pretty good. Let's you know, remember that question for another time. Mm-hmm. So at the end of each call, or, you know, when I've written a re- proposal, I'll kind of mark it how myself, how well I did it. And how do I make sure the next call is a better quality? And at the end of the day, uh, at the moment, I've, at the end of the day, I'll fill in a sheet we've got about the number of um, revenue generating emails, phone calls and proposals that I will have sent out this week. Um, and at the moment, my numbers aren't what they should be. So after this, yeah, I don't want to keep you, Ben. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> got to do some sales calls. Um, so we have tar- activity levels, but then just yeah. the quality of the activity. That's what we can control. Brilliant. Yeah. And look, thank you so much for your time. We've got four minutes left um, to be able to go through. Um, there's a couple of questions that I wanted to ask. And the first one is, I think everything you've said has made loads of sense today. Where can we hear more from you? Um, so I have a book called Will I Make the Way Go Faster? Available on Amazon and places. Um, and it's got uh, kind of chapters with kind of covering all this different stuff. It's kind of part story, part analysis with all sorts of different tools. So with <clears throat> performing under pressure, it's got a kind of whole load of stuff around that. Bullshit filters, it's got some kind of ideas of how to actually use bullshit filters, how to set goals. It's got some kind of practical stuff. Um, so kind of that's there. Um, audio book will be coming out soon, but it's not out yet. Uh, or got a business where I make the bug go faster. And we'd be delighted to um, kind of have any conversations with people about, you know, how we might be able to support or help. Brilliant. Um, my final question is going to be a little bit um, off topic. Um, but so we talked about winning the Olympic medal, gold, um, Olympic gold, and um, we've seen it today. So thanks for that sharing. What was the party like afterwards? <laughs> um, the party that night, the party that night was okay. kind of fine. I don't remember that much, but I was knackered. I think I kind of actually, I think I might have fallen asleep at the party. Um, but the rest of the week, in fact, the rest of the month was epic. <laughs> really? That's amazing. Cause what was it? Was it early in the Olympics? Were you, were you able to kind of enjoy the village after that? Yeah. Yeah, so, so rowing is great. Rowing takes up the first week. So you've got the first week to just kind of focus and be disciplined and do what you've got to do. And then you finish at the middle weekend and then you've got the second week to uh, enjoy the Olympics and all there is that's on offer. Fantastic. And so did you end up with some crazy parties or was it, uh, do you stick yeah. with the Brits? It's... Yeah, there were all sorts of crazy parties going on. There was lots of sport to watch. There was... You know, Sydney's a great city. There's, there was kind of lots to see and do. And yeah, it's uh, as a rower, the second week of the Olympics is really fun. Really fun. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and thanks, thanks to for everyone who's been watching. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, this will be available on Spotify um, if you'd like to, to tune in. And if anybody who missed it, um, we'll have a link into Ben's bio in there as well um, and to the website. Um, but guys, thank you so much for your time today. Please stay safe. Please keep well and follow the local government guidelines and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, bye. Bye.